Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Webcast Series, held on July 11, 2018, focusing on transforming your transfer pricing strategy in a post-tax reform world. The panelists for the webcast were Paige Hill, a PwC tax partner and our U.S. transfer pricing practice leader, David Ernick, a PwC tax partner focusing on transfer pricing issues, Chris Desmond, a PwC tax partner focusing on value chain transformation, and Quinn Nguyen, a PwC tax partner focusing on international tax issues. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists on transfer pricing considerations post-tax reform, specifically focusing on the new guilty and FDII provisions. Have a listen. Chris, maybe you could kick us off and talk about, about how um, your clients are thinking about guilty and, and, and their models and their operating models. And, and I think that's key when you're thinking about your, your tax operating model and you're actually doing your calculations because companies are surprised with the results and they're sitting there asking themselves, okay, we have all these different transfer pricing policies in place. We have our overall value chain, supply chain, and the impact that guilty has is, is really detrimental to our overall effective tax rate. What are the different things we should be considering on to manage that, but also um, transfer pricing by itself, we're finding practitioners are able to look at the transactions and you can have an impact on the ultimate results of guilty just through transfer pricing. And there's even some aspects of transfer pricing where you know we deal with ranges, right? Mm-hmm. And so even if you modify to the point in the range, that could trigger something as a different result in the overall modeling exercise for a multinational versus uh, an actual holistic change, as well as thinking through the whole expense apportionment aspect of it, because that's a big piece to say, what is our guilty calculations coming out from a U.S. perspective when we're thinking about how expenses are allocated? And maybe we can look to that uh, example then going through on guilty and you know, when you're looking at a typical uh, company here, you have a parent company, holding company, and you have your different operating companies. Transfer pricing, we didn't really look at the different basketing uh, for, for you know, purposes of foreign tax credits and expense allocations. That wasn't a big driver for us. In fact, getting transfer pricing to talk about this was, was like, well, we have to go through outside our comfort zone, but that's needed now. That's, the, that's part of the new world order, I guess, is when it comes to transfer pricing practitioners. Thinking through that and looking at this operating model, you might have different CFCs. You have your principal, your opcos, and you might have a CFC that has like a tested loss, but it might have high QBI and significant foreign taxes. Well, that's a problem. Any of these companies with guilty, when you have tested losses, you get zero credit for the net deemed tangible income, zero, until that triggers a profit. Now, transfer pricing folks may say, well, what intercompany transactions do we have that are going on with CFC2? Um, What if we were just to modify the ranges? And if that hits into a profit position, you get the complete uplift of the benefit of that 10% Q buy for that CFC. So that's a great opportunity. But there's different things when we talk about um, managing guilty that we look at from a transfer pricing perspective. Those are some of the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and it seems to me the importance of um, getting your policies right hmm. is very heightened, you know, because um, a lot of people have policies, but they don't, you know, they kind of come within them and, and we do operate in ranges. But, um, you know, if you really need to get to a specific result that you're targeting, having the right, um, you know, procedures, methodologies and systems in place on your inner companies to get those right 
um, you know, because absent, absent that, you could have a lot of fluctuation in your guilty results if you didn't, um, you weren't able to achieve your policies. So that seems also equally important for companies. Yeah, that's like a good this. point, especially with the overlap with just implementation of your transfer pricing exactly. policy with ERP. And, and we're seeing um, the request for that more than ever is that with the evolution of the changes to reform and companies going through the modeling, they're also identifying areas of potential uh, risk of saying, you know, we have a policy, we have a documentation policy, but that doesn't align with necessarily the ultimate results. And hopefully we're in the ranges and perhaps we are. We want more certainty with that. We want the ability to make sure that's more fine-tuned. We actually want data to present to us to show us real live feeds so we can see things not at the end of the year, not quarterly, not monthly, but daily if need be, to make sure you can modify those things, which will help with your overall guilty management and policy. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So Chris, you know, foreign tax optimization and, and working through guilty, what, what are you seeing your clients think about? It, I think a key thing with this page is also thinking through your CFCs and what actually, um, what functions are being performed there. Because as companies are evaluating reform holistically, they're also thinking through those high value functions and saying, are those the right locations for them? Let's say you have a, a treasury function or a sourcing or procurement function, and it happens to be over in Europe or some other place offshore, should we bring that back to the US, that function? And these are the individuals that are there, and that might have uh, an impact, not only from the guilty perspective, you might get an uplift from an FDII perspective, and you also might get an effective tax rate uplift. So there's things that are being evaluated as managing this in conjunction with guilty. Um, talking a little bit about FDII, it's clearly a difficult exercise for companies to think about, you know, if they are going to move their IP, should they bring it back to the U.S.? Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the Hotel California effect, which is, you know, if you bring it back, can you ever get it out again, particularly in light of the you know, changes that we talked about to 367 and the definition of IP? Um, you know, what are the levers that come into play and, and what are people thinking about as they're evaluating different alternatives? You were the first person I ever heard speak of Hotel California. <laughs> and, and for those that are listening, it is the song from the 70s, right? The Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. Very good. And uh, in, in, in conjunction with that, though, when you think about what companies are evaluating, correct, Hotel California could be an impact. But then what if that hotel closes down? <laughs> okay. What if that hotel goes out of business and you're stuck there because that's where you decided to never leave? Right. So that's the same issue we're having when it comes to uh, FDII and thinking through what are those options. And so what's interesting, when you first began the webcast page, you talked about that survey, the Fit for Growth survey. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about that survey is it goes through and, and it surveyed, oh, I think hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of different CEOs, CFOs, and, and heads of companies to say, you know, what, what do you see as far as geographic changes in post-reform? What, what, what are you looking to do? And over 30% said that they're looking to make some operational changes, geographic changes, to certain functions or operations. They're going to be making some changes as a result of that. That could be uh, procurement companies, that could be distribution centers, R&D centers, manufacturing plants. And these are being driven partially because of tax, but also partially because of operational areas. And what we're finding out in the market is that more than ever, our advisory practice is coming into play and in how we're actually working together. So it goes back to some of those earlier points of where 
you talk about your business operating model and then your tax operating model, they are coming together and they're going head to head now. And this just talks about how that needs to come together. And these groups need to plan together because if the procurement group is going through and they're going to be making some changes on procurement locations, there's going to be a tax impact to that. And that needs to be modeled out in conjunction with the benefits that might be seen from an advisory perspective. So that's where when we look at FDII, FDII may be an option. Maybe you do bring that stuff back to the U.S., those high-value functions. There's that window of opportunity there. But you have to look at what is on the table for you. What are What's best for us short and long term? And I think, I think it was uh, Quinn that mentioned earlier is that you know what, you don't want to lock yourself in. You want to make sure you evaluate options that you may be able to change if need be. So don't don't necessarily pigeonhole yourself. Let's think through what's best for our company, our strategy going forward, and making sure if FDII is the right answer. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, Chris, when we've talked with our advisory colleagues and, and talked about reform and sort of the incentives to companies um, from the from the new laws. Uh, you know, their reaction has been sort of a, a wow, this is a change in my conventional wisdom of yeah. how I thought about tax interplaying with my business strategies. And so, you know, as we, as we deal with that change in conventional wisdom, you know, it's just really important, um, you know, to really think through all the alternatives. And one of the things I was going to say is that along that line, that's where we're seeing VPs of tax and the head of transfer pricing at companies now being brought into the operational meetings and, and asked, what are your thoughts? Is this going to be troublesome for us? Because we have to think through as we're maybe going through these business changes, what does that mean for us from a tax perspective? Because it could be a, a, an area to trip on. Yeah. And David, what are, what are some of the unknowns that we need to think about with FDII? We've got a lot of unknowns, Paige. So in addition to just the, I mean, well, Is that I mean, a whole other webcast? <laughs> it could be, definitely. But I mean, in addition to questions about longevity, you've got the same question you had about guilty. How do I do the expense allocation when I'm determining my foreign-derived deduction eligible income? Um, what about income recognized to under 367D for an outbound transfer? Is that foreign-derived deduction eligible income? What even is foreign use of property? How do I determine that? We've got some old regs that have some principles in there thinking about will the regulations adopt those? What if I've got property that's partly used within, partly without the U.S.? Do I do some sort of bifurcation there? These are all the sort of questions that I think people are thinking about, but we're not going to be able to make any definite planning decisions until we've got the regulations, which hopefully are, are soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the participants. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you.